This is New England Public Radio. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is What's Going On. Joining us today, the Daily Hampshire Gazettes, Larry Parnas and Ron Shamillas from the Springfield Republican. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Let's get to it. It's been a busy week. Massachusetts U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren irked the president this week. She helped lead opposition to trade promotion legislation that was blocked and is now moving toward passage in the Senate. On NPR, Warren complained about the secrecy of a trans-Pacific trade deal that's being negotiated. I have been able to go to a special secured room. I can go and read about the agreement, but I cannot come out in public and talk about any of the specifics. Larry, is there a drawback for, first of all, for Massachusetts to have such a big national presence via Senator Warren? And what about Massachusetts businesses who may support expanded trade? Well, I think uh, private businesses uh, just watching and waiting here for right now, it's, I think for uh, the legions of Elizabeth Warren fans, you know, here's an opportunity to actually take a closer look at what the Trans-Pacific Partnership deal is. Uh, what do you mean? You can't get you can't get in. You can't get out. You can't look at it. You can't bring a pencil in or out. Well, but there's a there's enough known about how these trade how these trade arrangements work, and uh, Congress is not rushing to approve fast track authority. Uh, but I think this is a test, interesting test for Elizabeth Warren too, because she is uh, pretty outspoken on this. She's tangled with the president on it. I'm sure that will those that little divide will heal, and they can get onto some of the really important work they're doing on things like student debt, uh, minimum wage, and equal mm-hmm. pay. Ron, do you think um, it will heal? I'm not sure she wants it to entirely heal. I'm a little more cynical about uh, Elizabeth Warren. She's a politician. She's a very good one. And she knows that at the right opportunity, if she distances herself and gives some separation between herself and the president, that's not necessarily a bad thing with an election coming up. That doesn't mean she's wrong about this, but I'm sure that's crossed her mind. I, I'm not sure which election you're talking about, Ron. She uh, she does set up a, uh, a distinction between her and Hillary Clinton, who has called this deal a, a potential gold standard for trade. Well, there's no question that while she keeps saying no to Elizabeth Warren, keeps saying no to the offers and the the inquiries to ma- to run for president, I wouldn't say any of us would rule her out. Would you? Uh, no, I wouldn't. No, and I w- and again, uh, it, I actually do believe that she sincerely believes in her position on this. Uh, she's given me no reason to think otherwise. So maybe me bringing up the political side, that's not the only side. She's got some deep misgivings. And I actually do think she has a point about the secrecy. Uh, whether there's enough known about this or not, it's not, in my opinion, a healthy way to have this discussion. She is at least bringing this to the public forum, and I think that's where it should be. And she has seen uh, close up how government deals with uh, rules that affect commerce and financial regulation, and she's come away very suspicious of that. That's right, and, and of course, she's also letting us know what's going on. Um, unfortunately, the next subject is one about Amtrak's woes, and we've all heard about, of course, the terrible accident. But as the Gazette reported earlier this week, State Representative Peter Kokot wants officials to clean up huge amounts of railroad debris along the newly minted so-called Knowledge Rail Corridor. So, Larry, it's not just Amtrak, right? I mean, we always hear this word Amtrak, but there are a lot of other players involved. Who are they? Well, you certainly have all the commercial freight freight lines rather than passenger rail lines, and a really strong piece in the New York Times on Friday that explains that Amtrak is uh, leading, in terms of safety issues, is leading freight haulers uh, on safety issues. Uh, It's really uh, a 
just frightful that some of the safety practices that were so close to being operational on the Northeast Corridor uh, within months would have uh, created uh, a safer, safer conditions and perhaps prevented this accident. But what about also the fact that how can we maintain all of this? And you're bringing up a specific issue in your paper about the debris. Who is in charge of the different parts of the track? I mean, you know, who's, who's going to make this happen? Well, that's, that's a good question. There are a lot of players and a lot of people who could take responsibility. Uh, and I think that's part of the problem. I'm not an expert on this. I think Larry knows much more about it than I do. But I have known that for years people have warned of the problems uh, with a lot of our infrastructure, a lot of our transportation uh, maintenance. And, and this has come to fruition because of a tragedy. And now people are looking around and saying, well, who's responsible? Who can fix it? Uh, I hope that they can come up with some comprehensive answer because they need to. Uh, just on the local uh, trail sa- uh, rail safety issue, uh, Pan Am Railways has been really quite unresponsive to municipal concerns about the risk of fire uh, on old discarded ties. Uh, it almost operates uh, without any re- regulatory authority. Uh, passenger rail is different. Uh, I think the real challenge for Amtrak is is Congress. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, Western mm-hmm. representatives of Congress just aren't into it. Amtrak loses money all over the country, makes money on this Northeast Corridor. That's where the profit That's is interesting. Made. We'll talk about that more. But right now we're going to switch to the question of what would a week be like without talking about footballs literally. The Patriots got socked with a big fine and a four-game suspension for quarterback Tom Brady. And fans like Kim Cohn are having none of it. It's harsh. I mean, four games for that? I just don't understand it. The Patriots and Brady are fighting back. They filed an appeal. Ron, I love talking to you about this. How do you feel about, for starters, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, who handed Brady his suspension in the first place, presiding over the appeal hearing? I think the appeal is pointless. I also think it's (laughs) well-founded. That might sound contradictory. But you're right. He's appealing to the judge that ruled him guilty. I don't see how Goodell can now turn around and change his uh, suspension, although he's done that in a couple of other cases. Uh, I think this has really shown the uh, lack of consistency and, in my opinion, the hypocrisy of the NFL in terms of meeting out justice. Uh, Even people who are in favor of fair play and think there should be some penalty, they look at the Ray Rice situation, they look at domestic violence, they look at all sorts of drug problems and all these issues the NFL is facing, and a football that's missing a little bit of air, the guy's treated like it's a capital offense. Uh, it's absurd. And I think from the credibility standpoint of the NFL, it's indefensible. I think both sides here are, are, are uh, somewhat comical. The, uh, the nearly 20,000-word um, rebuttal that uh, Daniel Golden, Goldberg provided on behalf of the Patriots I think when he shifted into all capital letters, he started to lose his <laughs> argument. Uh, and I, I think the takeaway here is that the ideal gas law that should be under a dollar a gallon, don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, gentlemen, it's time to wrap up. So Larry Parnas from the Daily Hampshire Gazette, Ron Shamillis from the Springfield Republican, thanks so much for joining us, and thank you for listening to What's Going On. This is New England Public Radio. I'm Susan Kaplan. Right on.